Today on Government Matters, turning the military's data avalanche into a warfighting advantage. The Air Force's chief data officer tells you how it's done. Great power competition moves to the top of the world. One of the leaders of the Army's Arctic strategy explains what's coming. And the number one story of the week, the VA presses pause on its electronic health records project. A top VA doctor on the review and the reasons why Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The Air Force has a monthly cycle of training now to certify its own public sector data governance professionals. The Air Force has been training airmen, guardsmen, Air National Guardsmen, and even Navy sailors since last fall. Eileen Vedrine is Chief Data Officer at the Department of the Air Force. Eileen, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. What's the biggest demand right now for data in the Air Force? Mission, back office, doesn't matter where. Who needs what data-wise in the force today? Well, I like to say it's all about it's all about the mission and how do we leverage data to support our mission. So I like to explain it to uh, senior leaders of think of the, an atom and the nucleus of the atom is that mission and the severe spheres around that atom are all the mission enablers whether it's logistics uh, personnel finance and so it's really a holistic package a full data ecosystem to really drive insight from the data moving forward every use case that we've done in our department by our airmen and guardian are really about how do we leverage data whether it's condition-based maintenance, scheduling optimization, it's, it's, it's the data. Uh, and really, how do we drive our mission to, in, how do we drive our mission that way? What have you done, what are you doing, and what will you do moving forward architecture-wise to allow for this explosion in data and, and data sharing? Well, we began with building a cloud-based data platform, which we call the Vault, Visible, Accessible, Understandable, Linked, and Trustworthy. It's the first five core uh, strategic goals in the DOD data strategy. We add interoperable and secure. The, those are all the strategic goals, but it's really about a self-service platform, self-service capabilities so that our airmen and guardians can have available, accurate, and actionable data. Um, we use a secure DevOps environment so that we're pushing out new capabilities every every few weeks, what I call at the speed of relevancy. But it's also making sure that our architecture works with our other military departments. I work with Tom Cecila at Navy and uh, Dr. Mar uh, David Markowitz at Army. It's really about all of us working together to really uh, share data. What does that mean for uh, for broader programs like uh, the Army's Project Convergence? You've got ABMS at the Air Force, the Navy is working on, on its, and that will all converge together in JADC2. I imagine that's really what you're getting at here, is delivering that kind of capability for warfighters to use. Absolutely. It's about making sure that we can push and pull data um, within our department um, with it, within our services, as with our allied partners. You talked about your uh, peers in the other branches, Eileen. What do we? What 
who are your big customers and your or your big collaborators inside the Air Force and Space Force? Who are the, the people that you interact with on a regular basis to understand what they need and for them to understand what you can supply? Well, I always use the word trusted partners. I we work with I work with my team works with senior leaders across both air and space in all functional areas because we are looking for that change champion to help drive that cultural change that is a critical foundation to really operationalizing data. So that that trusted partnership in all, all functional areas across our services with our allied partners, I often say data is a team sport and it's I'm truly grateful to have such amazing teammates because we don't do this alone. We have to do this together and we and we make that happen every day. I note in your bio that you have experience in uh, in uh, human capital positions and in, I mentioned architecture earlier, you have an architecture background, acquisition two. How do all of those experiences and skills serve you as a CDO of the Air Force, Eileen? Well, I, I think it's critical to have that breadth uh, as well as depth of capability. So it gives you a holistic enterprise level focus. So it's it's not just about the technical solutions, it's really understanding the context of the data. So when we do use cases, I like to say we take our geek to the mission, we will send that data scientist out into the field so that they see and experience the context of that data. So they're working with that functional lead so that we don't lose that critical element. So it's really that trusted partnership that I think is critical to drive change. We have a little bit more than a minute left, Eileen, and I mentioned that training program that you have at the beginning of our conversation. Is that the goal of those kinds of programs? Not necessarily just give somebody a piece of paper that says you passed, but to put people out into the field who can be that person that goes out and does exactly, fulfills that vision you just laid out. Yes, that particular program was to really make sure that every data officer in, in every functional area, major command, had a baseline to build from. So actually aligning to a, that particular program aligns to a, a industry professional certification that allows every data officer in our department to have a baseline to build from. And from there, we can just accelerate change moving forward. We have about 30 seconds left. What do you need right now, or what do you need more of, Eileen, to continue to succeed? Um, I, I, I value par uh, trusted partnerships in all of my functional areas because um, we don't do this alone. And every time I can have an advocate and we're doing this together, it accelerates the change in our department. Eileen Vadreen, thanks very much for joining me. It's great to have you. Thank you, sir. Up next, a new Army strategy for the Arctic straight ahead on Government Matters, adapting to Arctic conditions and preparing soldiers for extreme conditions. You're watching ABC7. The Army has a new strategy for regaining Arctic dominance. The force will focus on a new multi-domain enabled headquarters and improve training for forces operating in the Arctic region. Elizabeth Felling is strategic planner in the Army G357. Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. What are some of the most important objectives for the Army's Arctic strategy? 
Thank you, Francis. Happy to be here and happy to have this opportunity to talk about the new Arctic strategy. With this strategy, we see some of the most important things being a Title X service organization. How do we man, train, and equip our Army forces to be able to compete and operate in an Arctic region, which has unique characteristics? It's an environment in which we have to train our soldiers to be able to operate and survive. But it's also a domain where we have to have the appropriate posture and equipment and facilities to be able to support that training and operations. What's the intersection with the Army's new Arctic strategy uh, and the broader uh, Defense Department strategy and your uh, partners in the other services, Elizabeth? So we see the Army's Arctic strategy as being well nested within um, the DOD strategy and supports the objectives of being able to make sure, ensure that it remains a domain that is free and open to all of nations and that it remains an area free from conflict. However, we do realize that with the changing environment and the changing nature of the Arctic region, along with the strategies of the Air Force and the Navy, the Army as the land force component offers a significant capability to the Arctic to operate and support those strategies and their implementation as well as our own. You said recently there are a number of training areas that provide a great opportunity to do training in Alaska. What are those opportunities and how do they fit the strategy that you're undertaking, Elizabeth? So as we say, we we're trying to build an Arctic ethos because you cannot, due to the uh, the nature of the Arctic. It's very challenging. And so we cannot simply take soldiers from other parts of the country, place them up there without appropriate training and equipment and expect them to be successful. So focusing those Arctic forces that we have in Alaska on how to succeed in cold weather environments using those training areas such as the Northern Warfare Training Center, which is the Army's proponent for cold weather training, and also working with our joint partners at facilities that offer great opportunities such as the Joint Pacific Alaska Range Complex. We can really, really dive into and improve how we train our forces to make sure that they can successfully operate in the region. We've talked on this program at great length, Elizabeth, about uh, the changing uh, environment in Alaska, how climate change is impacting uh, that region. We've talked about the increased activity of uh, great power competitors in that part of the world. How has all of that uh, affected the way that this, uh, that the Army's Arctic strategy has evolved? So it has significantly impacted. It. Look at our the Army senior leaders looking at the changing nature of the Arctic and the environmental impact on future infrastructure and the challenges that that poses. We do have an installation strategy as well. And so this really nests uh, nicely with in initiatives that we're utilizing or we're trying to undertake in that strategy. But also as the environment shifts, we need to be able to anticipate the changes and the impacts on the infrastructure that we have in Alaska so that we can ensure the facilities to include training facilities where we house soldiers, families and civilians that work up there to really support um, quality of life improvements. That's the chief's number one objectives. People are a priority. And so a significant part of that is providing them equipment that functions in the Arctic so they can get meaningful training and provide a purpose to why they're there. And also the family and morale aspect to have facilities that can support them. So 
um, improving those facilities over time as they're impacted by climate is a major objective in this strategy. Elizabeth, this strategy references allies and partners. Uh, I, the obvious ones are Canada and the Scandinavian countries. Are there others? Are there other countries uh, that we look to for uh, help and, and partnership in that region? So the Arctic being a circumpolar region of the world, um, obviously Canada, uh, the Nordic countries, we have significant um, conversations from U.S. Army Europe with those partners as well on training and infrastructure and how they do things. But also there are other countries that could offer um, how to better improve our mountain training given the severe uh, changes in topography in Alaska and other Arctic regions. So uh, our intent is to engage bilaterally and multilaterally with nations that can provide and share lessons back and forth and conduct exercises with those partners so that we can both improve our ability because strengthening alliances and partnerships is, you know, it works both ways. So what we work together and we train together, we learn something and then our partners learn something as well. And then together we can operate better and it just benefits everyone. How will you measure success of this strategy in the out years, Elizabeth? I view success of this strategy by improving those, the training, the training quality and the equipping quality of our forces in Alaska and their training quality. That is the initial mark of success, I think, for any Title X organization, man, train, and equip, and so that we can do that and successfully operate. Elizabeth Felling, thanks very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for being. Thank you for the time. Up next, reviewing the electronic health record system the VA is using all over the country. Straight ahead on Government Matters, why the search and what the VA will look for. You're watching ABC7. Now, the number one story of the week, the Department of Veterans Affairs will do a strategic review of its electronic health record modernization program. The top-to-tail review of the $16 billion system will take up to three months. Dr. Jennifer McDonald is chief consultant to the Deputy Undersecretary for Health at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Dr. McDonald, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. What caused Secretary McDonough to want to take this review, and what exactly will the VA review during it? Well, thank you, Francis. It's great to be with you. The electronic health record implementation is yet another example of VA's leadership on behalf of veterans. It's essential that we get this right to deliver the lifetime world-class care that veterans have earned and expect from VA. And this is the secretary giving VA the opportunity to take a look at the productivity at our first implementation site take a look at the clinical workflows, how we engage with patients and how their care teams support them, and also make sure that in the patient portal, that veterans are getting everything they need and desire from the interaction with our technology and their ability to access their medical records. Uh, to that point, Dr. McDonald, the issue uh, apparently it, from uh, accounts is that um, in the deployment at Mann Grandstaff in Spokane, Washington, there were some issues um, that both the healthcare providers and the veterans, the customers of this system presented, which is the main issue there, if there is a main issue, 
and how will you go about addressing that in this review, ma'am? Well, Francis, we're listening intently to both. Certainly the feedback from the diverse complement of veterans we serve and their families and caregivers and survivors are critically important to the way we shape the way forward. We're also intently listening to the very dedicated leaders and employees who even in the midst of a pandemic led this transformation effort forward at our Mandran staff site. We're, li we're listening to both. And really what's important, Francis, is that patient provider relationship. I'm an army veteran and a family doctor and I practice within our system. And that ability to make sure the technology serves that relationship and really furthers the ability for patients to tell us what they need and for the clinicians caring for them to serve them is what we're after here. We wanna get this right such that this site can really be the champion site for the rest of those across the, across the nation. Do you have any sense yet, Dr. McDonald, of, this, of whether this is a hardware or software problem, something infrastructure-wise? Is this an issue with training for either educating the healthcare providers how to use the system or the veterans, the customers, how to use it, something else, don't know yet? Where, where does that stand, Dr. McDonald? Well, these, these endeavors, implementing an electronic health record anywhere, including outside of VA, is always a complex endeavor. And it's always a range of factors. And it really comes down to, again, that, that patient and provider interaction. I want to be clear that this is not a performance-based review. Um, our vendor, Cerner, did not cause this review. VA is conducting this strategic review proactively to go on no longer than, than 12 weeks to make sure that we're doing this with excellence and living our eye care values, really listening to the veterans and the employees in our system and making sure that the technology nuances and the way that those play out in a veteran's care journey are addressed and really optimized such that we are delivering that excellence and experience that is expected from VA and that we really are setting a tone of, of leadership in this space. We'd like to continue to be the premier integrated healthcare system in the nation, and this is one way that we lead forward. Um, FedScoop reported this week, ma'am, that the plan to roll uh, out the system next in Columbus, Ohio, is still on track, but schedule changes are on the table following the review. How will you evaluate how you want to move forward with this based on this review, Dr. McDonald? We will be taking a hard look at that schedule for Columbus and, and for the sites following on to Columbus. That certainly is a part of the strategic review. And again, this comes down to making sure that we've listened to the veterans and the really dedicated leaders and employees in Spokane and that we've addressed all of their concerns and, and make sure that this system is premier such that they can be the champions for the sites going forward. We want our employees in Spokane to feel so confident in this system that they are proud to see their colleagues in Columbus and across the rest of the system go live with this and that again that VA leads the way forward here. One of the major advantages of this system, ma'am, is that uh, originally uh, it was designed to merge with the Department of Defense's military health system, electronic health records, something that Vista couldn't do. Is there any implication in this review for that interaction or is that a separate issue, ma'am? The implication is actually strengthening that relationship and that engagement. We are deeply grateful for our Department of Defense partners who are engaged with us daily in these efforts and making sure that we move this forward jointly. 
the promise here, the promise of realizing a unified record across the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs is coming, coming at this as a clinician and an executive here in VA is enormous. Um, from a population health perspective, from a benefit of experience to individual veterans, and from a joy in work perspective for the employees and leaders in our system, the potential here is enormous, and that partnership with DOD is critical. We're grateful that they engage with us each day. Dr. McDonald, how will you measure the results of this review? How, what, what's a success for this review 12 weeks out from now? Well, it's a great question. And again, it comes down to listening. When veterans are telling us that this is the experience that they're happy with, when our employees are saying, yes, this is exactly what allows me to do my job well and serve. And when we, from a management perspective, see that the productivity, the clinical workflows and the patient portal elements are where we want them to be, then those will be our measures of success and we'll be able to proceed forward. We have about 30 seconds left, Dr. McDonald. Does your, do you think your background as a clinician gives you some extra insight that maybe only technology people or only management people or so on that might be involved with this review don't have? Well, I'm certainly grateful to be serving in this system, in this role, and as a clinician, but I think it takes the whole interdisciplinary team, Francis, and that's how we're approaching this. As one unified team, this is the clinicians alongside the technologists, alongside the logisticians, alongside the operators, and most importantly, alongside veterans, really putting them first and listening. It takes all of us to get this right. We're committed to doing so, and we certainly will. Dr. McDonald, thanks very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time, ma'am. Thank you for your time. Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv, and you get a preview of every show when you sign up for our daily program guide. You just text GovMatters to 58671. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and next Sunday morning at 10.30 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Beatrix Haddon. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.